Welcome to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast by Learning Forte. This is our second season, and we are going Greek philosopher for the title. There is nothing permanent except change. Heraclitus said this somewhere to someone, and it ended up on our Google sheet of quotes on change. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. It is no secret that the last several years have been some of the most abrupt, rapid, heavy, and necessary changes we have faced in our lifetime as leaders and learners of communities committed to the common good. So we are going to engage in a series of conversations on change, the fear of change, change as growth, and the embodiment of change in the world. And of course, each episode will confront kitsch or claim it as a gift to our work. Our podcast community of Stacey Williams-Duncan, myself, Hannah Graham, Nia McKinney, Sarah Lying, and Greg Klemovitz is looking forward to the authentic sharing over the next four episodes to roll out weekly. And yes, we know that the title of the season is cliche, and the title of the first episode on the podcast is a bit kitschy, and of course, that is on purpose. We start with this episode in the first month of 2024. It's a new year, new time for those kitschy resolutions that we all make and many of us keep to, but most of us bail on. So among them, the title of this episode is New Year, New Me. We're back. Oh, gosh. Season two. Season two. <laughs> the extroverts are here. Me. Um, <laughs> yes. Welcome, Greg. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back with you all, friends. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback on season one, um, and it was exciting to put those out for folks. I'm really, really excited to talk with you all about a topic that, you know, it's just so light, so simple, so easy, so easy. <laughs> change. Love that. It's a new year. New me. That's title. What does that mean to you all? <laughs> Don't all go at once. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Hannah was going to go first because she said she's passionate about this subject. Well, I am passionate about the whole new year, new me situation it is common knowledge on our team that I do not set New Year's resolutions. I have not for the last eight years or so. Instead, what I do is I come up with a word or a phrase for the year, and that's what I try to live into all year. And I've done a pretty good job um, sticking with it. I still remember what my word is right now. For 2023. For 2023. And I... Uh, I'm, I'm still in discernment about my 2024 word, so I'm not going to share it right now. And so, yeah, that's what I've really done at this new year, new me. Be like, you, you cannot reinvent your whole being just because the calendar flipped. It's the same you. It's the same you. You're just trying to improve <laughs> upon it or, you know, evolve a little bit. And you can't evolve in all of the realms in your life at the same time, at the same pace. Amen. So you pick one thing. So my word for 2023 was to get away from should and move towards need. Mm. Right? So that played out in lots of different ways. I went from I should exercise twice a week to I need 
to live a healthier life. Mm. And so I moved a lot away from should, which I shared this in a meeting yesterday that Nia had never heard. <laughs> he said, <laughs> you, so funny. don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Yes. And um, so this year I've moved away from should. What should I be doing? What does culture tell me that I should be doing? And what do I actually need to be doing? That was in response to me saying, oh my gosh, I feel like I should have been able to predict that they these were some holes in the announcements we were making regarding membership vision. And I was I was sort of apologizing to say, hey guys, I'm I'm sorry I couldn't I didn't predict that we were gonna need to answer all these questions and make these additional meetings. And and Hannah was just like, no. We we did the best we could, we made the decisions we could, and we didn't know what was coming. We didn't know what was going to be needed, and now we're being responsive to that. And so she's like, don't shit all over yourself. And Nia, who I'd pulled in to help me do help us do some stuff at the last minute, was like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> Wait, Nia, you never heard that phrase? I, I, I had not heard that phrase. Um, I, I am a thousand percent in here for that because, um, one of the first, I think one of the first things that made me feel like an actual professional, like joining this team last October was, uh, one of the first team meetings that I went to where I was with Greg and I, I said something about like, I really, you know, I have beef with the word should. Because <laughs> I I just am not into the concept of like judging myself. I'll say speak for myself. Judging myself on the fact that I didn't know something or couldn't see something coming or whatever. And Greg was like, "That's a that's a good that's a good word." And I was like, in my heart, in my mind, I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah." <laughs> You know, it's funny you, you all t- when you talk about uh, New Year, New Me, Hannah, with your words. So we we all know that um, as a performer, someone who uh, likes to achieve things, I've really struggled with resolutions and even the whole concept of the Star Wars. The Star War. I'm going to get this. The Star words that people use especially during epiphany time because i always like struggle did i pick the right one is my word the good one is my is my word like really like i get so much anxiety about the the selection process like almost like it's almost like an internal competition so the constant evaluation at the turn of the calendar year almost kind of pushed me back um, a few steps in that work because it was like too much pressure. I don't know if any of that translates, but it's one of the things I know I've had to recognize a little bit when I, when I navigate the turn of the calendar year. No, I feel that I'm very, I very much identify with that feeling, Greg. Like it turns out like I'm usually so exhausted by the end of the year that like, you know, not even just because of work or anything, just because of life and, you know, the holidays, like I forgot to take into account the contextual reality of like holiday travel, Mm -hmm. what being around your family of origin does to you as a person, those (laughs) kinds of things. Like, and so putting that arbitrary date of January 1st on your self-improvement to me 
has been, like Greg said, like I almost take a few steps back over the holidays every year. And so like I can't then turn around and expect myself to be my best self on January 1st. This is fascinating because I'm doing something completely different this year than what I've done in previous years, Um, partially because of where my sabbatical landed and my time away landed. I made a decision that I started my planning for me personally and launched it at the beginning of Advent, at the beginning of December, because what I realized is if I were trying to do this goal work or this alignment work for Learning Forte as a company, I needed to be a little bit ahead of where you all were. And last year, trying to do launch the my personal stuff at the same time I was launching the Learning Forte goals for the year meant that I was like trying to double time and never clear about which one I was working on. And so it's interesting this year. before the horse type stuff. Yeah. So I moved all my stuff up thinking, okay, I'm going to really identify that stuff and be ready to go right after Thanksgiving this year and see how that's different for me to not be doing them at the same time. Um, So we'll see what happens. It's interesting. I think what I'm hearing is that there's different ways to engage uh, change when it comes to like personal change. Um, some folks need the word Hannah. You, I mean, that is something that sounds like it really grounds you for some of us. There's other ways like that. Something like that becomes almost like a little bit of an, a pressure point for us um, who are already so performance driven. Um, I know one of the things we did as a family uh, last year actually is we, we created a vision board with the kids. And um, and we did it um, as a part of like our New Year's resolution on New Year's Eve with with our kids. It's actually my uh, my wife's idea, and um, and we just created things out of magazines and whatnot of things that we were hoping for in the new year. And it wasn't like I want to like achieve this. It was more like I would love to travel, or I would love to learn a new thing, or I would love to. Um, for me, I put in there have conversations with my kids about money because like. They don't really have cash anymore. Everything's so digital. So how do we intentionally have conversations about that? And then I didn't know my wife did this when we took the Christmas decorations down around the star that we put on the top of the tree every year. She put puts a note and what she did in there was like it was like a word to all of us from like Amber of 2022 mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> or at least early 2023. And uh, and it said, how did you do on your vision board? Like, go back and look at it. And so, like, when I was pulling this out, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And so I went back and I looked at it. And it was just a different way to go about it. Um, But that did not happen at the turn of the calendar year. It happened, like, right after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. When we were putting the new Christmas decorations up. Now, I'm a big fan of, like, speaking intentions out into the universe. So, like, I think that might be the way that I think about like resolutions, even at times that are not New Year's. Yeah, that falls right into my word and that the I really spend probably a whole month discerning my word. And it really is the intention that I want to carry over into the new year. And um, in our next couple episodes, I'm going to be sharing what some of my words in the past have been because they're related. Surprise to change. Um, but it, yeah, it's really when I'm presented with a new challenge or a decision. I just, it's, it's something for me to lean back on and remember, oh yeah, I want to try and manifest this. So I'm going to take that into my decision making around this thing 
or this challenge or how I've decided to engage with it. So I just am hearing us and recognizing that uh, Sarah was the first person to mention this on this episode, but um, this really is about contextual realities of like, who are you? Who is your organization? Who is your family? Where does this need to happen? So like I think back and when I was spending the 10 years I spent sort of in formal academic situations, the beginning of my year was always August or September when I would go back as a teacher and my students would show up to be there, right? Um, as a congregational priest, there in some congregations, it was the beginning of, of September when the program year started, but in some congregations, it was really Advent when the liturgical year started or one I served, which was like way Easter was the huge time. The season of Easter was the time in which they sort of rolled everything out. And so I think that, you know, what this all comes down, a piece of what this comes down to is, you know, don't just assume that the societal push that has scheduled this at this time is the right time for you. Do it when it is the right time for you and for your organization so that it makes the best impact in what you're doing. I'm just like really struck. I'm spent two years, I spent two weeks at home in Oklahoma and um, around my family who still farms. And I'm just really reminded that the winter is the slow season. Yeah. And so like, I wonder if in some ways, some of the like setting this at the beginning, beginning of the year and in the winter was because it's the time when people who are an agrarian society had space to think. My cousins that farm full time, they work 12, 14 hours in the, in the height of the summer. They don't work near as much and they don't have quite as much work to do in the winter. And so I just am, I've been like thinking about being here and recording from here and having spent a lot of time with them. Like how much is some of the connection to January 1st, this old habit that we've inherited from a contextual reality that is not ours mm. anymore. This just came up in my acupuncture appointment this week. And she's ta- she was talking to me about the cycle of things, right? If you don't winter well, then you don't have enough energy to grow in the spring and continue in that height of summer. And there's not a lot of harvest. So her question to me was like, how are you going to winter well? And to me, part of that is discernment, right? About what I want to grow next year, right? And that, just that question of like, how are you going to winter well has really stuck with me. That is profound. I love that. I do too. Hello, season two. Live, learn, repeat. It's editing Nia. We introduced ourselves this season by name, but we did not give it any context. (laughs) So I'm here to do that for us. On this podcast, as Hannah introduced us, you'll hear from Greg Klumovitz, Nia McKenney, Hannah Graham, Sarah Long, and Stacey Williams-Duncan. And with that, we are just going to get right into the content because that's how we recorded it. Thank you so, so much for listening. Enjoy this episode and enjoy the season. Uh, (laughs) One of the things our culture has done, though, with the new year is to market it, right? Like it's like... If we all get on the same page of the turn of the calendar being the the need to do all this work, we can then sell stuff. 
about that change like at that time you can sell kitsch you can sell kitsch right yeah. you can do all that gym no, memberships so huge sale on gym memberships huge, oh, i avoid the gym like the plague the first week of oh gosh i should never use that reference again um uh, the plague we've all been there um but I, I try to avoid it the first week of the year for the same reason like all the marketing has hit the gym and and everybody's there and then i'm like well i'll come back in february when Literally none of them are here. Yeah, I also uh, avoid the gym in all 12 months, Yeah, but especially yeah. in January. Gym is not your New Year word? No. no. no gym not. has never been my New Year. That's not true. I did go through a cycle that I was like, I'm going to be my most healthy self before I was trying to get pregnant with my first son. And I had a personal trainer for like four months. And that was good for the rest of my life. But that's that the rhythm, enough. right? That's what we're all talking about. Like, it's harder to sell self-improvement when we contextualize everything. Yeah. And so in a sense, like mm-hmm. the capitalism has infringed upon the personal growth by just putting it all at the flip of the calendar year. Yeah. Um, but when we contextualize, it becomes harder. So in that sense, when we do recognize that we all need to adapt and be agile, it's actually a going back to what we talked about last season a little bit about sabbath as resistance it's the same thing with with this like how we navigate change it can be a form of resistance um because i think about it like right 2024 now not 2023 so you better make a resolution all that kind of stuff because we in the corporate world gotta gotta meet our bottom lines but what i'm wondering though is it does leave us to to start to have to ask questions about what is our cycle what is our rhythm we have to do that hard work to ask those questions which is my question to you all is how do we then discern when or if a change is necessary in our life our leadership or our organization i think that Two years ago as a company, we started out and tried to do quarter like annual goals and quarterly goals that we tried to live into. Last year, we were a lot wishy-washier, and we didn't sort of articulate them clearly. And multiple times in the last year as an organization, Learning Forte has been like, okay, where are we headed? We've, we've had to make – we've not had some of that clarity, and it's meant that we couldn't um, manage our capacity together. We couldn't know what we're getting behind. And so I think that there is whatever point in the year it works best for your organization. And for a lot of organizations, it is whatever the beginning or end of their fiscal year is, their financial year is. And that's not always January 1. It just happens to be for us. Well, I think what we're saying is that cycles are important. Rhythms mm-hmm. of this reflection, it, it deeply matters. And it's also not linear, right? Like that's the thing yeah. that we have right. to recognize again. It is cyclical. Um, that's the value of the calendar. But it doesn't mean it has to be January 1. Um, and it doesn't have – it might not even – so like your organizational cycle of reflection might not be the same as yours for personal. Like your organizational reflection may Absolutely. happen in June. Um, and your personal one might happen on January. Yeah. As Ever since I saw the name of this and then I've heard us talking, it's like – I think that it's like, for me, it's not like new year, new me. It's like new year aligned me. Like, how do I go back to what are my values? What am, how am I going to be in this place? And recognize that at 52, having just had my birthday this week, um, who I am and what I might do is really different. Um, at 52, as a diabetic, really committed to managing this with food and exercise, 
what I need is really different. And so I think that some of this is also like giving yourself the contextual freedom to recognize who you are and where you are. And that like, I, I mean, I'm the oldest person on this podcast and my life circumstance is really different than other people Mm. here. And so like, there's no way that you can judge or um, even be in the same place because we're all in different places. I was going to say, and like resolutions to me cannot be arbitrary. So like, you can't jump on a resolution bandwagon. Like I want to go on a diet or I want to go on a gym. Like going back to what Hannah said, like you, is there a reason that you want to, like, is it, is there an underlying value that you have integrated into your life that justifies and aligns with that practice? So if I were, if I were to say, I want to lose five pounds this year, well, well, why? Like, what is my mindset about Mm -hmm. my body and my health? Like, do I have a need, like Hannah said, to do that? Or is it just like something I think I should do? Yeah, and looking at what is happening around you. And and there are things you know are going to happen during the year and taking those into account as well. So the year after the pandemic shut down, um, my word was rest. That was my word for the whole year because we were coming out of shutdown and this, uh, this power to like rev that engine back up and, you know, get back to the place we were before pandemic shutdown was so heavy for me and my family. I chose the word rest to counterbalance that. Absolutely. So it also has to do with your value. I mean, it, it's very complex, actually. <laughs> You know, you have to take a look at your values and how you want to live into those, but also how, what is going on in the world around you? Because that's going to affect your year or your cycle. I'm going to use the word cycle instead of year, but that's going to affect this next cycle. Those are out, um, external contextual realities that are going to influence you and to have something to lean into of how you're going to interact with them. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Hannah, this just makes me think about how I really transformed last year into trying out this idea of what if I write an objective, like living into learning Forte's sort of like objective learner focused piece. Because the cool thing about an objective, especially from a teacher learner perspective, is that if the objective isn't working halfway through, you throw out what you're teaching. You throw out the content and find the new content to meet the objective. And so... So like I sort of thought about, and I'm going to try to live into that more this, I'm living into that more in 2024 is like, what are my objectives? So like, Mm -hmm. what's the aim? What's the activity? How is this going to have some impact and relevance for me? Um, And then quarterly stopping and pausing and looking at, okay, what needs to happen in this next chunk of time to achieve that objective? And so, yeah, I planned, I had some rough plans, but I also threw it all out at a couple of points. It's like one of my objectives last year had to do with making sure that the Learning Forte core team were seeing themselves as leaders and that we really moved into augmenting all of your leadership. Um, Well, we threw it out a couple of times. I mean, we reorganized in July to step into that. We've been like moving people's responsibilities around, but that we've made progress towards that idea. 
where if I had set the goal or the resolution to have a standardized organizational chart or system for learning forte by this date, I probably wouldn't have actually met that bigger objective, which Mm -hmm. is more in line with my values. And so I think that's a big piece of what I've had to discern in the last few years is what's the why behind this? What's the impact behind what I'm investing my energy in? Which gets us back to one of the things that I heard loud and clear from multiple um, of you or many of you on in this reflection was that the, the the problem with the kitsch phrase that we threw out at the beginning of new year, new me is that it isn't a new you. It's not even for your organization. It's not even a new organization. Um, well, maybe if your values haven't been reflected on, if you haven't done that work, it might feel that way. But really, when it comes to these reflections, it's about growth. It's about health. It's about adjustments. It's about alignment, all those things. But the you is not being assessed as a core, as in like your worth mm-hmm. is not on the line. Your essence is not up for sale, right? Like mm-hmm. you still matter. As a person, you still have intrinsic worth, even if you don't go to the gym once the entire year, <laughs> right? Your organization. Well, okay, but let's jump in that. Let's 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 interrogate. That's true for Hannah, and for Greg to be in alignment. If Greg didn't go to the gym for an entire year, none of us would want to work with him. Easy. <laughs> because for Greg, that's really like Greg. That's a piece of who you really are. Right? Like, that's your core. That's a core piece of how you ground yourself. It's true. It's true. Yeah. That's one of your core practices. That's one of your practices. That's that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful for us to dig into this because I want people Mm. to really hear that it's not about just saying anything is okay and everything is okay or nothing is okay. It's about that real contextual reality of being faithful to who you are. And that worth, worth is different than alignment. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's different than values that, you know, help us reflect on that. Mm-hmm. I did go through. Yeah, go ahead, Nia. No, I, just, I didn't mean to say that out loud. I just the worth is different than alignment statement really, really got me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that to me, I've also like used the word integration from time to time that like for a long yeah. period in my life, maybe over the past five years, that has been a word that has stuck with me, Hannah. So like maybe just my, my seasons, my cycles are my rhythms are like, you know, multiple years long and like integration to me has been something that's been at the forefront. So I think one of the reasons why it's really important for me to talk about the difference between alignment and worth is because I'm someone who has been diagnosed with obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm which looks different for me than it may be for other folks. Um, I'm not someone that has like the, the kind of stereotypical, but very real uh, OCD diagnosis where I have to do certain habits all the time to, to kind of feel like I can be okay. But for me, my brain latches onto things and it's very difficult for me to actually make change. Right. Mm-hmm. to change my my mind to change my brain mm-hmm. like i can get mm-hmm. stuck on loop really 
really quickly mm-hmm. and easily on things that I never would have thought that I would have gotten stuck on. Um, and then when I get stuck, it can deeply connect to my intrinsic value, mm-hmm. my intrinsic worth. If, if I don't like, it's called brain lock. If I don't unlock myself. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a big reason why this conversation really matters to me because sometimes like when we do these cycles of resolutions and whatnot, my brain can latch onto those in a way mm-hmm. that can deeply, deeply impact my ability to move forward in an effective aligned and integrated way. And yeah. I, I think that's true for me personally, but I would dare say to turn this into a macrocosm for organizations, the same can be true. Absolutely. Right? Organizational OCD is a real thing. Yes. Mm. Right? Where organizations get the brain lock on certain components and then they can't change or they can't move through it. Right. I mean, it's that whole, it's that old saying of like, you continue to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Right. So like resolutions, we could, if we just log into, if we just fall into whatever resolution some people are assuming is the right resolution without looking at the context and how you're going to integrate it and apply it and without separating it out from your worth, you could just keep trying to think, hey, the same thing over and over and over, but you never move forward. One great lesson I learned from um, one of my previous bosses is that when you have to make a big decision about change and you really want to live into that change, everything is on the table. Yep. And we've Mm. talked about this before about jobs is that when you go out to look at a new job, sometimes you only do it to affirm that you are in the right job, right? So it's kind Mm -hmm. of an echo of that. But what I learned from her was if you deeply want to affect change or change is imminent or you have to adapt because of outside forces, everything is on the table. One of the one of the ways to do it that I feel is very healthy is that everything is on the table and then you go back to your values and you start there. And to me, that helps, Greg, what you were talking about, about unlocking those organizational patterns that can get leadership and organizations stuck in these cycles. So can I tell you guys what's on the table? Um, We're between Thanksgiving and Christmas as we record in December. And everything being on the table for me is about apple pie. So my grandparents had an apple tree and my grandmother made the most amazing apple pies. And every fall, she would spend all fall like cooking the apples. She always had a frozen apple pie in her freezer. You could show up at her house at any point and have this amazing apple pie. Well, when you become diabetic and you are trying to deal with things, apples are awful in that they have a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs. And so my favorite quintessential dessert is apple pie. Well, I have spent the last year and a half perfecting or working to perfect a apple pie that is really made of squash. Mm. And at Thanksgiving, I took it and a crust that is all low carb. And I took it to friends. I took it to friends at Thanksgiving for dessert, and even like their teenagers ate a piece. And so, like everything being on the table for me, Hannah. Thank you so much for saying that because I just realized that like my image of that is: look, 
I even put apple pie on the table, and now I found something that I can have a piece every day for three or four days in a row instead mm-hmm. of one bite. Um, so I don't lose the taste of what um, holidays were that. for me. Like apple pie doesn't even have to be apple pie. <laughs> right. Like, but, it, but, yeah, but I had to put it on the table first. Right. Yeah. You have to be willing to put it on the table. A lot about how we're all really reflective about having done this and our perspectives from over the years of our careers and our families and our lives. And I wonder as a young professional, how is it to like sit in on this, this conversation with us um, early in your career? In a, in a lot of ways, I continue like, so I'm kind of in a cycle of, um, I joined Learning Forte in October of 2022. So I feel like I have just come up on, because I have been here for a year and plus, I feel like I have just come up on kind of the reevaluation of a cycle. Um, and what I think is the most significant part of being, you know, being the youngest in this professional context is that there are so many things that, that, that I hear you all recount in a way that is so illuminating of the ways that like we engage together now. And the way that you say it is like, Oh, this happened. You know, this was just a thing then. And for me, the feeling like I'm, I'm 28 and everything feels so big. And I, I can kind of just now recognize my mentality as kind of packaging things up because I've done them before and everything doesn't feel as huge and monumental, but professionally it still feels so big. And so it's just so interesting that like Stacey, you said, um, you talked about, um, with objectives, like if a, if a process or, um, a focus isn't seeing change affected because of the objectives, well, then you have to start new and you have to get new content in. And for me, I was like, okay, well now like so many things that I have heard from you make so much more sense. (laughs) But I just like, when I think about the whole context of what, what, life is because we're sitting here for hours and we're talking about life, real life, because we're real humans doing stuff. I I just am like in awe of the potential that is encountered every time you, me, us, every time we as people and professionals sit down and we decide we are going to intentionally address things like contextual realities. We're going to address change. And for me to hear that so historied, I feel both very small and very big. Mm. One reason you're in the conversation is because of some of our experiences when we were in our 20s of people assuming that 
until you had a certain amount of experience, you weren't valued at the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like one reason you're one of the main voices here is because we want to send a really clear message as, or I want to send one as an individual and we want to send one as a company that you need to make sure you're asking who's at the table. Mm -hmm. And um, I am much better as an adult since I spend time with people at the table from every decade of adulthood. One thing that we haven't talked about as we kind of bring this episode down to uh, a close is that um, we've talked about how like yourself is not being challenged in terms of its value through this work. But what we also haven't done is talk about how change is a bad thing. We've actually all just, I think, naturally just assumed change is. Um, and the other component of it, Stacey, by very just by you asking that question about and even reflecting on the generational component um, of who's at the table. I think that's so important because generations reflect the very incarnation and embodiments of change. Mm-hmm. Right? Like each of us like reflect the changes that have happened over the course of time and help us learn how to move through change well together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is such a profound thing when you think about the generational inclusion at the table, um, especially so you're not pushing people out or being dismissed for your your ability to help us shape change. Well, I know three of us on the screen are millennials, whether we want to claim that or not. Um, mm-hmm. And my experience as a millennial is like the world does change. It changes constantly. We have been through massive uh, communal trauma in my life. And so, yeah, change is. So you have to figure out how you're going to embrace it because it's coming whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spending all this week with my um, boomer parents and aunts and uncles, um, I think it's interesting because I think in some ways um, the boomers really thought they could change the world as a generation. And I think some of the disappointment I've heard is um, that some of the problems that are in the world still exist where they thought they'd change society in ways that maybe they did. It didn't get as changed as they thought it would where as a Gen Xer, we're like real clear, or at least the messaging is, is like you are the smallest generation. And so you're insignificant. And so change your own context, change your small environment because they're just going to skip over you. We're going to skip over you in Mm -hmm. like the cultural context. We will have changed the culture like by creating what does the startup mean? What does it mean to be entrepreneurial? What does it mean to be innovative? What's technology inf- influences? That's where we've happened. Our work has happened because we couldn't change the whole society, but we could change our immediate culture. Mm-hmm. So when we get to this last question before we get to our kitsch, it's a simple one and it's a one statement one. We are all sitting here around the proverbial podcast table. What is one phrase that you would offer as a word of encouragement to our listeners related to how to navigate change? Choose the change that you want. Because it's going to come, but choose it. Choice. That's good. Uh, Hannah, you already said this, but just I think that's. True for me, just embrace it. You you are you. You are you always with change, without change. Mm. 
That's great. And I'm trying to think of a unique one, but I think mine is just has has echoes of all three of those um, to make a decision how you are going to align yourself with change. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build off of what I said. Change is and you are. They're just full statements, right? Like we we are here. Mm-hmm. Kitsch. Let's get some kitsch. Who wants to start with some kitschy stuff you possess that reminds you of who you are when change comes? So I took a tour through my house. I took all of Greg's notes <laughs> and I just took a tour through my house. <laughs> and this is the one I came up with. So this is about reminding me who I am in the midst of change. And my brother got it for me a while ago because he thought it was funny. And this is a true statement. It says it's like a little wooden sign that you would get from like home goods. Very kitschy. It's like distressed wood good moms have sticky floors dirty ovens and happy kids and to me this is like when change is happening and forced upon you what is your center and mine is my core family and so like i don't care if dishes don't get done i don't care if all that extra noise is left is to come to the center and drill down to make sure that the people in my family are safe and loved. I'm thoroughly pleased with my kitsch because I was going to tour my whole house like Hannah did. And I only had to go so far as my bulletin board (laughs) in my office. So I have four of, I just really like to have four of the same kind of thing for each episode. And so I have these little cards that um, I think were left in my house when someone came to clean it one time, possibly, and like they left these little cute little cards behind and it says smile, pop open here. And then it says smile, breathe and go slowly. Mm. The it's not Han is the quote. Nice. Well, I'm on the road recording from the road. And so I'm actually recording from my niece's bedroom today in Texas. And, um, this is the niece who this summer when we were all together as a family. She and my husband have been measuring the length of their legs for the last few years because she's very tall. And so my niece, who was a freshman in high school, now has the longest legs in the family because she has surpassed the length of her legs have surpassed my husband's who are six one. She is not six one, but her legs are longer than his. So she's growing up and I'm sitting in her room where there is still the um, kindergarten read all about me piece that she did hanging on her art piece Mm -hmm. of all the things and I was just thinking like that kitschy piece that so many kids did of like that poster read all about me to introduce myself in kindergarten and um, I was thinking about like how we let we assume kids are going to grow and change and if we could give that same gift to adults Mm -hmm. too it'd be really incredible Mm -hmm. my kitsch is I have a little square letter board that I update when I feel so called. Um, (laughs) And I picked this because like 
you know, it's, it's said very lovely inspirational things. Like I, I, but I love you up there. I, um, my favorite thing it I've put up here has been the agony lessons with every better choice as a reminder to myself. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's got a meme right now. It says she is very gorgeous to me, which is, which is simply a meme I can't explain, um, <laughs> but it makes, it makes me laugh. And that's what it's here to be is whatever I need it to be. So my office down here is full of it. Um, I have glasses all over the place uh, and, and upstairs as well. This is um, I cl- collect uh, glasses from breweries that I visit across the country. Um, I used to the, when my kids would load the dishwasher, they would break. I would have to then go replace them. Um, but I have had gotten so many of them that now when they break, no one tells me because they're like, okay, that's one less glass <laughs> we have in the house because uh, <laughs> I have so many of them. But this is actually a defunct brewery. They no longer exist. Uh, it was called Boxcar Brewing in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and what I love about these microbreweries is they serve a purpose in time. And even when change happens and they no longer seek to exist. Um, it reminds me that it doesn't mean that they didn't have value. Like even when things change, even when that change means something no longer like exists either at all or even the form that it used to, it it doesn't mean that what once was, wasn't of value in some way, shape or form. And I think that that's important for us because then we don't have to fear the change that comes, uh, in certain ways, which is a good segue to another episode that's coming down the pike. Um, about fear so friends whatever is going on in your life um whatever changes are happening hopefully you find some sort of rhythm uh to reflect on those changes and how you're going to move through them because change is and so are you thanks for being a part of this episode uh until next time ta-ta see ya (laughs) thanks for listening to live learn repeat a podcast hosted by Learning Forte's Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Greg Klimovitz, Sarah Lawing, and Nia McKenney. Executive production of this podcast is by Greg Klimovitz. Our audio production team is Nia McKenney and Sarah Lawing. Help us grow our podcast learning community by leaving us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and by sharing on your socials. If you'd like to learn more about Learning Forte and our various learning and leadership programs, consulting services, and digital platforms, check out our website at www.learningforte.com.